Would you turn, please, to the, uh, well, first of all, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, hold up your hand. We have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to uh, let you use one of ours. And go, please, to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. We're continuing on our marriage meeting tonight, and Phyllis is going to assist me. Amen. How many believe year to year we should grow in our marriages, in our relationships? I mean, we should just outgrow a lot of the problems we used to have, and we should just get into levels of relationship and intimacy and, and love and fun that other people think is just a fairy tale. They think, ah, oh, you ain't really got a relationship like that. But we do. Why? And it should be one of the strongest witnesses in the church because it is a living, touchable, seeable picture of Christ and the church. Husbands, every time people see us, they should be thinking, that's just how Jesus treats the church. That's just how Jesus is with the church. And wives, every time people see you, they ought to be thinking, that's just like the perfected bride of Christ treats her Lord and her husband. What a witness. I mean, you wouldn't have to preach at people verbally as much if we had such powerful preaching of our lives. And I believe we are. I believe we've already begun in that. We've made progress just in the last, you know, two or three years here. But we can go so much farther, so much higher, so much stronger. So we're continuing tonight. And in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, 12, he talks about the manifestations of the Spirit. And he talks about the body of Christ. And verse 28, he talks about the ministry of Gifts, as we call them. And in verse 31, what did he say? But covet earnestly. That's strong language, isn't it? We spent, I don't know, weeks and weeks here a while back on the subject of coveting. And that's why the the children talk. Whatever we deal with here, they do the same thing in the uh, children's. You know, uh, we should all be saying the same thing. I have seen too many times that churches, their youth group is like a separate church. Their children's ministry is like a separate church. The leaders just completely turn it over to somebody else and they implement their vision. And really they go in a different direction from what they would call big church. That's not okay. I said, that's not okay. And that's also one reason why you have so many open doors for church splits. Hmm? No. Well, the vision, all this vision is supposed to come from me? Yeah. Yeah. And you're supposed to know everything that's going on in your church. Everything. Did you hear me? You don't take any part of it and just turn it over to somebody and let them do it the way they want to do it. They're your kids. How many know you're supposed to know everything your kids are doing? And where they are. And what's going on. Hmm? 
That's one of the big problems with families today, isn't it? People don't know what their kids are watching or listening or who they're with or what they're doing. And then they act shocked when they have major problems later on. You are supposed to know. And if you don't know, fix things so you know. Find out. Well, we could go down that path a little ways, couldn't we? Now, that doesn't mean you try to do everything yourself. You do that and your church can't grow. You got to have help. And you got to let people operate in the abilities that God's given them. But you don't just turn the thing over to them to have the vision for it. The vision is supposed to come through the head. And if they're praying and hear from God, they're going to get some things. But it should be something you've approved. Are you with me now? Every piece of it. Somebody said, well, man, that'll take a lot of time. Right. It does. That'll take a lot of work. It does. Same thing with parents. It'll take a lot of time for me to keep up with everything my kid is doing. Yeah, that's called parenting. It's always been that way. A lot of folk just got away from it. It takes time to keep up with stuff and to know. Uh, I know that's not the way a lot of people do it, but a lot of people have trouble too. 1 Corinthians 12, and, well, I'm not through with that. (laughs) I had, uh, right after we started this church, I had more than one person in different groups come to me and say, well, we want to do this, and I said no. And another person came and said, well, we want to do this. And I said, no. And this one particular group, the same person asked me about every week. You know, well, can we do this? I said, no. Can we do this? I said, no. Finally, they said, well, you're not even going to let us do this? I said, I'm sorry, no. And so they left. But what they didn't understand is the Lord had got a hold of me the week before. And told me some things in no uncertain terms. I mean, it still shakes me right now. He said to me, Keith, if you're always giving in to people and you're always doing what they want to do, who's leading this place? What's the answer to that? Well, it wouldn't be me. I'm just giving in to everybody. I'm just doing what everybody brings up that they want to do or thinks they need to do. Who's leading? It wouldn't be me. He said, if I'd have wanted them leading, I'd have put them over it. I put you over it. And I'm going to hold you accountable for what you let them do. So, man, (laughs) they were asking the wrong person when they were trying to get (laughs) miffed about it. Because I already got word from headquarters. And when he told me, I got a real clear picture of me standing in front of the throne. And there wasn't nobody around me. There wasn't nobody around. Now, you know, how many understand that in a few more breaths, just a few more days, we're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account of what we did in this body? In a few more breaths, a few more days. Let me tell you some stuff that ain't going to cut it. (laughs) Why didn't you do what I told you to do? Ah, Lord, you know how my wife is. She didn't want to do it. She didn't want to go. Lord, you know those people, if I'd have done that, they'd have tarred and feathered me. 
run me out of there. Well, Lord, the people wanted to do it, and if you know if you don't let them do some stuff, then they'll just leave and go somewhere else. And you think any of that'll fly with him? Hmm? Do you think he'll look at you and go, "Oh, you're right," you know? <laughs> I know I don't understand how it's like down there. There ain't no need in bringing it up. There will be no acceptable excuse. None. I know I was looking in a healing school some years ago. There was a couple there. And a nice couple. And they were both sick. And they weren't that old. And come to find out they've had sickness problems year after year after year. And the Lord led me to teach on some things about the will of God and the plan of God. And that if you want God's perfect will experienced in your life, you have to do God's perfect will. Plan for your life. Did you hear that now? God's perfect will is healing and health. God's perfect will is protection. God's perfect will is prosperity. But can you do your own thing and ignore his plan and experience the fullness of healing and health and prosperity? No, you won't. No, you won't. And so we taught on those things as the Lord led us. And at the end of one of the weeks, the guy came up to me of this couple and he had tears in his eyes. And I noticed he was crying through part of He said, Brother Key, he said, my Lord. He said, God called me and told me a certain country. He said, he called me too when... Uh, My wife and I first got married. You know, this was decades ago. And he said, I knew it just as well as I knew what my name was. I'm supposed to go there, and this is what I'm supposed to do, and then I'm supposed to do this. And he said, but she pitched a fit, and she said, I will not. It's me or it's that. I am not going over there, and I'm not living in those conditions, and I'm not doing that, and I'm not raising my kids in that. And uh, he said, so uh, I didn't. He said, and we've been sick, and we've had trouble, and we've fought. Well, now that man is going to stand before the Lord in a few days. And there's a whole ministry over decades that he didn't do. Do you know he's going to be held accountable for that whole ministry, even though he did not do it? And you think it's going to fly for him to tell the Lord that his wife didn't want to go? No. Life is short. Somebody said, what if she wouldn't go? You better obey God. You don't put wife, you don't put husband, you don't put children, you don't put anybody ahead of the Lord your God. Now you know Phyllis has taught on the subject of submission. And that's what the Lord told the wives to do. And it's something that's unpopular and it's Politically incorrect and everything else. But let me add this. Ladies, you are supposed to submit to your husbands. But you don't follow a man into sin. Did y'all hear me? You do not follow a man away from God. The scripture says, as it is fit in the Lord. Mm -mm. Nope. You don't follow a man into sin. You don't follow a man away from God. No. 
That's when it's time to say, I'm sorry. But Jesus is our Lord. No. Boy, we started off with a big. (laughs) Some things are just serious. They are. And they need to be dealt with seriously. You and I are put on this planet to get a job done. Not just to have fun. Not just to work a job and go home and eat supper. We're put on this planet to do something. To get a job done. Right? Let's do it. Let's quit messing around. If you wasted some time, we'll repent, but waste no more. Waste not another day. We don't know. The Lord might come back next week. We don't know. And if he does, the only thing that will matter is were you doing what he told you to do, where he told you to be with all your heart. That's all that will matter. And if you're unsure about that, then do not be satisfied. You pray, you fast, you do whatever you need to do till you get that straight, till you get it in your heart and you know what to do and you do it. That I'm in the right place, I'm doing what God told me to do, and you stay stuck no matter what. He said, covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. What excellent way is that? It is, and he goes on through this 13th chapter talking about love, and we're going to get into that tonight because that is the more excellent way. You got his way, her way, their way, the denomination's way, society's way, the world's way, and then you got the more excellent. Way, which is what? Love's way. And who is love? God. Same thing as saying God's way. Say it out loud. Love's way, love's way is, is God's, way. God's way. What would God have me to do in a situation? He'd have you to walk in love. Every morning, every afternoon, every night, every day of the week, everywhere you go. It's not so hard to ascertain the will of God. Right? What's the will of God? Walk in love. Walk in love. Is it always easy? No. I guess if it was real easy, everybody would be doing it. Walking in love, and this is one of the biggest things. We're going to touch on this in some other areas tonight. Say this out loud. Walking in love love is not not based based on feelings. Did you get that now? Walking in love is not based on feelings. So people think if I don't feel like I love you, then I don't love you. So to them, love is a feeling. And with so much of the world, that is the present situation. They believe love is a feeling. You got the feeling? You feel the love. And if we ain't feeling the love, then we ain't in love no more. And it's sad, but it's not really anybody's fault. Because why? The feeling just... I mean, you can't control your feelings, can you? 
You can't help who you fall in love with. Now does much of the world believe this? Sadly, I've talked to Christians. I've talked to ministers that are leaving their wife. They're leaving their families. And they're looking at me going, I couldn't help who I fall in love with, Brother Keith. You most certainly can. Yeah, but I'm in love with them. You should have never got close to them. Then you'd have never fell in love with them. Now here's something you may not have thought about. Did you know you can fall in love with somebody that you are not supposed to be with? But see, people act like the feelings of love is the higher power that's beyond us. And we just got caught up and it was bigger than the both of us. What can you say? Amore. It was amore. It was love. It was just. But how many know that love? Where's it at in six months? Where's it at in a year? Where's it at in five years? And that's why we got people that are just in and out of marriages, in and out of relationships. And now you got so many people think, well, why get married? Your feelings going to change in a few months anyway. That's their mentality. I mean, why? You know, people are too fickle and feelings are too fickle. I can't commit to this for life because everybody knows it changes. You know, who knows? If I don't have the feeling, then I know I'm being repetitive. But you understand, there's all this emphasis on the feeling. The feeling. God is love. God is not a feeling. He's God. And he doesn't change. No matter how feelings change, he doesn't change. And now you got to get settled in yourself to understand that your feelings are ever changing. Your feelings, not somebody else's, your feelings are in a constant state of change. Do you remember the last three days that you felt exactly the same three days in a row? About everything? No. So to base your life on your feelings is to set yourself up for certain failure. Because they are going to change. Not they might change. They are going to change. They are changing hourly almost. And if you're basing everything on them. Then you're going to go with them. You're going to change with them. Spiritual people do not base their decisions. And their life. And their commitments on their feelings. Spiritual people learn. What to do to change their feelings to what they should be. Is it possible to have no feelings and then do the right things so that you have wonderful feelings? Can you initiate it? You certainly can. Your spouse. There was a time you didn't know them. When you first met them. 
You didn't have the feelings for them that you had later. You did something. They did something that set those feelings in motion and caused them to increase and increase and increase. Some of them say, yeah, but we don't feel like we used to. Well, then it means you did something else. You did something else that started the feelings moving in the wrong direction. But what's the good news? You can do something else and get the feelings moving in the right direction. Say it out loud. Love, love is not a feeling. feeling. Say it out loud. I, I don't, live don't live by my feelings. Now, man, if we just actually got that and did that after tonight, we'd be one of the most powerful groups of people on the planet. And we would eliminate thousands of points of access to the enemy in our life. Because that, again and again, is the hook where he gets in. It's the way he manipulates and pushes in and causes trouble is through your feelings. You feel mad, so you act mad. You feel depressed, so you cry. You feel, you feel, so you act. That's a sign of a carnal person acting just like an unsaved person. Here's the test. Can you feel bad? And act happy. Hmm? Can you feel like you don't want to even be in the room with somebody? And act like you adore them. This is the whole now, Brother Keith. That's being a hypocrite. And I'm not a hypocrite. I'm just real. If I don't like you, I'm going to act like I don't like you. Yeah, you're real, all right. Real carnal. And you're going to have trouble. Major trouble. While you're here, go over to Ephesians. While we're having so much fun. Whoopee. <laughs> Ephesians 4. Come on, y'all with me now, right? You, you're not against me. You, you're for me, right? Okay, come on. Don't sit there and sulk. I got your best interest in mind. I, Looking out for you. You do not have to go through a whole hum dull marriage year after year and go, well, you know, we just old and the flame gone. That's just how it is. You know. Everybody knows the honeymoon's over and then you just get back to real life. No, no, you can have more passion. Come on now, after 50 years than you did before, you can have more excitement. Millions of people don't believe that, but if it's right and if it's God, is it designed to peak and go down or go backwards or decline or isn't everything in God goes up from grace to grace and faith to faith and glory to glory. The path gets brighter and brighter and if it ain't getting brighter, you ain't on the path. You got off somewhere. You're doing your own thing. You got away. And don't blame it on God if you got a dull marriage. It ain't his fault. You had not been doing what he told you to do. And the thing is, so many folk are just too lazy. 
If it'd fall on them, yeah, they'd take it. But, oh, you mean I got to do something? <laughs> if you want to benefit, you do. But it's not as hard as you think. Ephesians 4, 22. He said that you put off. Somebody say put off. Put off, put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. What do you do with it? Put it off. Can you put off how you used to be? Can you put it off? And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That you may what? And that ye put on the new man. Which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Somebody said, yeah, but now I ain't a put on. <laughs> if I don't feel like, you know, if I'm mad at them, I'm going to let them know it. I ain't a put on. Then you refuse to do what the word says. If you always felt like it, there wouldn't be any putting on of it. And acts of faith with it. I'm not talking about being phony. I'm talking about you don't feel like it, but you have decided to do it. I ain't talking about vain flattery. Nothing false about this. It's just that you don't have to feel it to do it. And you don't have to feel it to do it enthusiastically. Oh, but now here's the good thing. I've done this before, but it'll bear repetition. Brother Dave, come up here, please. Take my jacket. Hold it out for me. What if I said, Brother Dave, I'm cold, man. I'm cold. I feel cold. And I got goosebumps. And I I feel. And he said, here, Brother Keith. Put your coat on. I said, Brother Dave, I feel cold. <laughs> and, and if I feel cold, I'm just cold, by golly, now. <laughs> and he said, Brother Keith, come on, put your, if you'd put your coat on, after a while, you'd what? You'd begin to feel, well, no, 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 I don't believe in putting on something I don't feel. I don't. And I feel cold. Now, I know that sounds silly, but am I quoting scripture here? Put off. Put on. How am I going to get to feeling warm? Yeah, but what if I won't? Huh? Y'all pray for me. (laughs) I mean, when we first got married, I felt warm. I felt heat, brother. I felt passion. But now I'm as cold as ice. Cold as ice. Our bedroom's cold, brother Keith. Cold. It's like like a freezer in there. And we say what? 
put on love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. Put on love and what? What's the next one? Joy. Yeah, but I'm depressed, Brother Keith, because it's so cold. (laughs) The passion is gone, and I just don't know how to get it back. It's like me saying, I'm as cold, and I don't know how to get warm. Brother Dave said, Brother Keith, (laughs) put your jacket on. I'm not a put on. Our feelings, this is a perfect example of feelings. It's not my example. Hmm? This is how feelings are. Listen to me. Do you believe your feelings in your marriage are just as changeable as your feelings of hot and cold? Are they? A lot of folk don't believe that. Feelings are feelings. The nature of them is the same. Feelings. Do you know how many millions of Christians don't go to church because they didn't feel like it that night or that morning? They didn't lift their hands and praise God. Why? They just didn't feel like it. They just have had a rough week and they just feel bad and you want somebody to pray for them. Well, y'all pray for me that I'll warm up. <laughs> I know it sounds funny and you're laughing, but this is exactly where millions of people are in area after area of their life. But if by faith, I say, okay, I feel cold, but here goes. Glory to God. I love my wife like myself. She's one of the finest women on the planet. God has given me this woman, and she is a good woman. We have passion between us, and I love her, and I want to do for her like Christ does. Now, the moment I put this on, do I feel warm? No. I still don't feel warm. But if I keep it on, I said if I keep it on, if I keep it on, what's going to happen after a little bit? I'm going to begin to feel, feel some warmth. But feelings come last. Feelings are not initiators. Feelings are response to something. Oh, come on now. Did you get this? So people that are living by their feelings are living in response to something that's already happened. They're already behind everything. They're behind. They're behind. Why? Because they're just responding to what happened and how it made them feel. And so they are just puppets on a string. Just. You don't have to be that way. I said you don't have to be that way. You can get up in the morning and feel like 40 miles of muddy road. You can feel lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. <laughs> And you can look in the mirror and you look kind of that way too. But you can put on the garment of praise. You can throw off the spirit of heaviness. And you don't feel like it. But you can begin to say, 
I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will to rejoice. I will to be glad. And you just begin to say, I'm glad. Man, I got a good life. I got a good spouse. I got a good home. God has blessed me so much. I'm so blessed. And you might be seeing nothing but problems. But you put it on. You put it on. If you put that on and keep it on long enough, what must happen? Your feelings will begin to change. Oh, can you see it? Do you see it? Say it again. I do not live by my feelings. I don't make decisions based on how I feel. Love isn't a feeling. God is love. Hallelujah. See, that love has been shed abroad in your heart. In mind, that love that's not feeling based, that love is inside us. The Bible said God loved us while we were yet his enemies. We weren't giving him any warm and fuzzies. You understand that? He loved us in spite of how we were making him feel. He loved us just because he decided to love us. I like what uh, Brother Smith Wigglesworth was Quoted as to have said numerous times. Somebody asked him. Made the mistake of asking him one time. Said, Brother Smith. How do you feel? He braced and glared. He said. I don't ask Smith Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him how he feels. Here's a man. That learned something. Be smart. Never ask yourself. How do you feel? You talk about an open door for problems. And we ought to quit asking each other that all the time. Amen. People do it to supposedly love and look at each other and go, how do you feel? <laughs> no, no, don't give me them faith confessions. Tell me how you really <laughs> feel. <laughs> what? What are you trying to do to them? <laughs> You're trying to get them out of faith and get them to just wallow in their flesh? That's a sure way to go down. You said it, but say it again. I do not. I don't live by my feelings. I walk by faith, not by sight. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He said, I show to you the what? The more excellent way. Glory be to God. Who's got an amplified? What's the more excellent way? Love. God's way is the excellent way. And this is our law of marriage. What are we, how are we supposed to treat each other? Always in love. Now love doesn't always give in to you. Love doesn't always do what you want it to do. Love does what's best. Even if it costs me, but what's best for you? So let's remind ourselves of this. Phyllis, you ready to come assist me on this? 1 Corinthians 13. A lot of you know it. Have you been reading it this week? Hmm? Trust you have. 
Get anything out of it? Are we commanded to walk in love? Is this the New Testament commandment? So would it be good for us to periodically check ourselves? Right? Since this is so important. And ask ourselves, am I doing this? The Amplified is really good on this 13th chapter. And so let's talk about it. He said, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm what? Noisy gong, clanging cymbal. Is there such a thing as vain tongues? Yes. See, a lot of people think that's a sure sign of real spirituality. Is the person just talk, talk, talking in tongues. Ooh, they talk in tongues so loud, they must be spiritual. If you haven't developed in love, it's like banging a pot. Who said that? I got people looking at me funny already. Is it true or not? Just because you're talking in tongues doesn't mean you're spiritual. What's the real evidence of spirituality? Love. Because who is love? What is being spiritual? Being spiritual is being like God. God's love. He said, if I have prophetic powers, this is amplified, understand all secret truths and mysteries, possess all knowledge, have all faith so I can remove mountains. Uh-oh, he's talking about faith now. But don't have love. I am nothing. What's faith without love? So is faith the biggest sign of spirituality? No. Not talking in tongues? How about prophesying? Well, people that really prophesy, that shows they're spiritual. Mm -mm. No, you can prophesy and not develop in love and it's empty. It's nothing. These are his words. Even if I dole out all that I have to the poor and food, if I surrender my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Is it possible to give away a bunch of stuff and get no reward for it? Yeah, because the thing is, why are you doing it? A lot of people do things to be seen of men, to be noticed. They do it, you know, for all kinds of reasons except love. But then he gets down to it. What is real? If you can do that and not be real love, what is real love? Verse 4, are you with me? What's real love? Love endures long. And is patient and kind. Is that you? Is that how you act? Love does what? Love says, I have had it. I have had it. I can't take this anymore. That's it. No, no. You might feel that way. So we're, we're back to that, right? Could you feel that way? Oh, yeah, yeah. But then when you feel that way, you got a choice. Do I live by my feelings? Or do I live by this love that's inside me? You can feel like you've had it. But instead of saying that, you can say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Love endures long. And is patient and kind. 
Got anything to say about that? Love never is envious or boils over with jealousy. It is not boastful or vainglorious. It does not display itself haughtily. So much of that has to do with wanting to be seen, doesn't it? Wanting to be seen, wanting to be noticed. Have you heard so much talk about folks saying they don't acknowledge my gift? They don't give me place. They don't acknowledge my gift. You're not supposed to be thinking about that. Maybe we will back up just a little. A lot of people think they do have a lot of faith, but if they don't have a lot of patience, they don't no way have a lot of faith. No. Because um, you don't have any more faith than you do patience. Because if you can't stand long with patience, then you don't have any faith. Because mm. uh, you taught us a long time ago about faith being the undergirding bridge that helps you go across with your faith. Uh, a lot of people think that they can believe God for something and stand for something for a very long time. But it's standing that makes you get your answer to your faith. And... Um, if you're going to believe God, even for a new pantsuit, ladies, or uh, a new diamond, or a new car, or whatever it is, and uh, you don't have any patience, you can't stand three days. Well, it's that very same patience that you're going to have with your husband yeah. that's going to help you to stand for these other things. And if you don't exercise your patience and get it to grow with your patience with your spouse, you're not going to have any patience to believe to stand in any other area. So if you can't learn to exercise your patience to stand in one area, it's not going to stand in another area. So That's one of the big reasons why people don't receive. Is uh, It doesn't make any difference. If you stand and believe like a house of fire for three months and then quit, you get the same results as if you hadn't believed God at all. you got to stay with it. As long as it takes. And, uh, you know, you got to remind yourself sometimes that a, a day with the Lord is like a thousand years. And a thousand years like a day. And if you get your calculator out sometime and see how long you've been standing. <laughs> it could, you know, from his perspective, it's just like, you're like, Lord, I've been standing for five years. And what is that compared to the thousand years as a day? I mean, it's just moments. And we think it's a long time because we had not been here very long. But you do. You have to persevere. And how many that have been married for a while are glad that you stood another day and another week and you didn't quit and you didn't just divorce. You stuck it out and you put on what you needed to and your feelings started changing. I am. Yeah, me too. <laughs> You know, I, I hear about young people taking their own life. And it so grieves you. And you hear, well, why did they do it? Well, their boyfriend broke up with them. Their girlfriend broke up with them. They didn't get that part in a school play. You know, and you just think, oh, if they'd have just went home and took a nap and got up and had an ice cream... And just put one foot in front of another. If you've been around any length of time, you know, right? What, what happens? Man, within a few weeks, you could think, why did I even care about that? Things change. If you won't quit, if you'll just be patient and persevere long enough to let God work for you. 
And you were talking about jealousy right now. And um, guys, in case you're interested about the sermon title for last night, it was Bumtus. Bumtus. Got it? Right, ladies? Okay. So, um, hmm. right? Okay. Um, we were talking about one of the things we talked about in talking about the jealousy thing. We were talking about the fruit of the spirit. And one of the last verses uh, in the Amplified, since he's reading out of the Amplified, in the fruit of the spirit. And we found out that one of the fruit of the spirit that we were very strong in was the long-suffering part because we figured and decided that we had suffered long. No. That's not what that means. That's not what that... We got that wrong? I think so. Oh. Okay, well, maybe we'll correct that one next year. Okay, but anyway, verse 26 in Galatians 5.22 on the fruit of the Spirit, uh, maybe we'll correct that sometime, said, um, we were reading about the fruit of the Spirit, and in the Amplified it says, and guys, if y'all could put this on the screen, Galatians 5.26, it says, let us not become vainglorious, self-conceited, competitive, challenging, and provoking And irritating to one another, envying and becoming jealous of one another. Mm. And I think, just myself, one of the biggest problems in marriage is the jealousy of who has the last say and who has the last word in a conversation. Yeah, Gina's sitting back there going the scissors thing that I taught on at church here one Sunday morning, you know. They're all going like this to me. You weren't here that Sunday morning. Some more new doctrine? More new. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. It was good doctrine. I believe and, it, yeah. yeah. So Yeah, so but anyway, If we could cut out the competitiveness between us in who had to have the last say, oftentimes we could cut out a lot of the strife and division that was going on between us, you know, and what the arguments and fusses were about. Because a lot of times it's even small things. And we decided last night we were not going to try to win one for womankind, (laughs) you know, so... uh, Back to your jealousy. <laughs> yeah. But. We. Uh, God put us together, not so we could be just alike. You know, and uh, we are a team. We are supposed to work together. We are supposed to appreciate each other's gifts and strengths and. And not, you know, make fun of somebody's, uh, it's many times people, they kind of try to glory over the other person if they're better at a particular area than they are. Well, no, that's God graced you in that area so it could be taken care of. And then they're stronger in another area. And um, I know I'm better at telling jokes than you are. Okay. (laughs) We should appreciate each other's strengths. 
and not feel threatened by them. Can you say amen? Amen. Not be afraid that uh, our spouse is going to outshine us some way in front of somebody else. That's your own insecurities. And it causes all kind of problems. Be secure in who you are in Christ. And uh, we talked earlier about rejoicing in your brother and sister's blessing. Well, your spouse is a brother or sister too. And they are good ground. Your spouse is good ground to sow into. Amen. Amen. (laughs) You ready to move on? You got something else? That's all. Love endures long. Now, what are we asking ourselves about this? Are we doing this? Are we living like this with each other? Because we can talk in tongues and we can quote scripture and we can give stuff. And and if we don't do this, it's for naught. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Can you just hang in there week after week, month after month? And even if your flesh is screaming, you just subdue it and smile. Mrs. Well, Brother Keith, that's probably one of my weakest areas is my patience. I just don't have any. Well, it's because you don't take the opportunities to exercise it. Patience must be exercised. Every time you're in traffic. <laughs> chance to work out. Long line at the checkout stand, grocery store, you're having to wait in some lawyer's office, doctor's office, whatever kind of office, and you're just having to wait, having to wait, having to wait. Well, your flesh will get antsy, won't it? And you're having some feelings. (laughs) But we have already established tonight, now we put down a pole, is that right? And we established We don't live by our feelings. Come on now. Did we? So we're feeling like being irritable and telling somebody to snap it up and what is taking so long. But you realize, hey, it's an opportunity for me to exercise my patience. And if I exercise it at every opportunity, it'll increase. It'll develop. Until my endurance. And so, you know, I, we traveled with Brother uh, Kenneth Hagin and uh, Miss Aretha for years. And eventually, praise God, they got their own plane. And, but for years, we were flying, uh, sitting in terminals. And, you know, years back, you sat in smoke most of the time. And we'd sit there and sit there and sit there and, and sit there. And after four hours, I'd look over at Brother Hagin. He's like, And, uh, you know, we've gotten tired and we've visited every shop and ate every corn dog and <laughs> talked to everybody and, and it just fit to be tired. And finally we wear ourselves out and, and lay there and be half asleep and he'd say, hey, y'all going? They're calling us. <laughs> I read a story one time about the lion and the crocodile, if y'all read it or not. But this guy was a uh, medical researcher. I'm the crocodile. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he said, do you notice in the zoo, 
Difference between a lion and a crocodile. Lion, pacing. <laughs> right? And uh, crocodile, what's he doing? <laughs> he said when that lion's bones are dried and bleached. That crocodile still be laying in the sun. <laughs> Looking around. Talking about the difference in the heart rate and the tension. And I'm convinced, you know, I studied longevity for some years now, and I'm convinced that one of the biggest things that makes people die young is stress. Amen. People say, well, I know it, and i got to get out of it. The external factors are not causing your stress. You can't blame it on your job. You can't blame it on your family. It's your response to it. Okay, and we all said guilty. <laughs> Nobody wants to raise their hand with me. Okay. You got something before we move on? What's the next one? Love endures. We're at... Yep. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious or boils over with jealousy. We talked about that being competitive. Somebody said we don't do that. It's verse 5, it is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. How many know you should have manners at home? Amen. <laughs> huh? We should have manners at home. We should treat each other with dignity. And say please and thank you. Hmm? At home. Somebody says, well, now, that's where I get to let down my hair. Relax. And we just, you know, we don't go for all that formal stuff around here. We just say, tell each other, shut up. And, we can't be bothered with all that. Yeah, and you got a mess too. You're not doing this. Love is not rude. Somebody say not rude. It's not unmannerly. Doesn't act unbecomingly. It's polite. Could we use a big dose of politeness? In our society. And in our generation. Man it's a witness. When everybody else is losing it. And using bad language. And you step up there just as cool as a cucumber. And say please. And thank you. Immediately everybody knows something's different about this guy. Something's different about this lady. Right? And people, whether they say it or not. People respect that. Because it requires control. And discipline. We were closing on our house to move here. And um, the lady that was purchasing our home, she had kind of gotten rude, rude, rude a few times with me. Got upset. Yeah. And um, we um, had dealt with her several times, and she kept telling me I wasn't going to get the price for my house that I was asking for it. And, of course, I did. And um, <laughs> patience. And uh, anyway, we got ready for the closing and stuff, and she had been a little bit difficult to deal with. 
And um, so the day of the closing, she didn't have the funds that she needed to close after pushing and pushing and stuff. And so uh, the people that were, it was her bank, and um, the people that were we were dealing with and stuff, in order to close, contacted us and said, we are so sorry, but it didn't work out, and we were unable to process the loan and get to be able to close today. And I said, oh, it'll be all right. Something will work out. You know, it'll all work out and stuff. And the man just, his mouth, you could just sense it over the telephone. He was really in fear that I was going to just let him have it, you know. And, and say, hey, forget deals off. We're the, keeping them. The house. Deposit. Yeah, we're, we're you just, know. you know. And, and he says, lady, you are just a breath of fresh air. And it was like, because I had dealt with the other lady for a while. And I could imagine what had been going on for this poor gentleman <laughs> by the time. He got a hold of me. He was a bit concerned. But the thing is, you never get anywhere being rude with people because oftentimes the very people that you're rude with are oftentimes the very people that can help you. Mm-hmm. And um, you will not have any favor being rude with them. You and undermine you your undermine, own favor. You dis- undo what God's gone ahead of you and yeah. done for you. And so uh, it worked. the Lord worked it out for us, and we were able to close. But this gentleman was pleasantly uh-huh. Well, people should see a difference in us who's supposed to be Christians, especially ministers, as opposed to people that don't even claim to be anything. They should see a noticeable difference. And um, you might tell it better than me, but when we were flying commercial those years ago, and all those flights had been canceled, and I mean the place was, a, the terminal was a madhouse. This was at a major airport. It was in and, Atlanta. Yeah, it was. And everything got backed up, backed up, backed up, backed up. And people were pitching a fit. I'm telling you, they were chewing these guys out behind the counter, calling them names, throwing stuff. And we stood in line for oh, and two hours. hours. And the thing is, we had a service that night. That night. I was supposed to speak at. And the hours are just clicking away. Another reason why you should have your own ride. What reason number is that? Reason number 943. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, you don't start out there. You start where you are and believe God and, and step up. But uh, we stood there and said, of course, now we prayed immediately when we saw what was going on. And we prayed before that. But now it's time for us to be in faith. And faith works by, so people forget that all the time, don't they? Faith works by love. So if we're really in faith, we're really expecting to get results. We can't go in there and act like heathen. Or we'll undo our faith. So we stood and stood and we got to the counter. Phyllis was ahead of me and I'm holding the paperwork. And she smiled at him and said, man, I see you're having, you know, rough time. And if you remember something, I don't jump in. But he looked at us, and it looked like a poster I'd seen one time of this woman with her hair sticking straight up. (laughs) And her eyes were bloodshot. And the caption said, I've got one nerve left. (laughs) And you're on it. (laughs) This guy looked like that. He'd been put, you know, you've been in situations like that. It just got worse as the day went on. And she said, sir, I know that you are swamped here. And everybody's wanting something. But uh, this is our stuff, and this is where we want to go, and just tell us what we should do. See, if you're in faith in God, you put no pressure 
on people. If you're putting pressure on people, you are not in faith in God. So there was no pressure. She encouraged him, called him sir, smiled at him, acted nice and polite, no pressure. So he says, well, there's nothing available and you can't do anything. And so he started typing. Have you ever seen how much they type on those things? Type, 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 type. You think they're writing a novel, man. I mean, and he looked up and he said, hmm. And he said, well, amazing. Well, we're believing for something amazing. Right? And then he looked up and he said, Where's your bags? And he said, right there. He looked around. He said, come follow me. And he left the station. <laughs> and we walked, but we got our little bags and we walked behind him. The people look like they're going to stone us. <laughs> I mean, the whole crowd just looked like, what, what did they do? What did they do? They gave him some money. What did they do? And so we followed him and he led us behind this concourse and behind this and through some doors that said, do not enter. And through some doors that said, Certain sort of mission only. And then he took us right and set us in first class. We weren't, didn't pay for first class. And he set us in first class and he handed us his bags and he smiled. He said, you'll be there close to your original time. We said, thank you. Thank you. Now, right before us, a woman had just cussed this guy out. I mean, she was so ugly. And he looked at us and he said, you know that lady before you? She didn't know it. But I could help her or hurt her. <laughs> so we said, well, people ought not be like that. They are like that. And we said, well, thank you so much for helping us. He said, you're quite welcome. And he went away. But now what if we'd have jumped up there and been demanding in our prophetic anointing? I am a man of God and you will do what I say. You don't know who I am? I've seen people do that. No, you just undid your favor. Somebody say love. Love. What you looking for? I'm looking for, we just read it. We were talking about husbands and wives and the Lord reminded me about um, Jacob and... Um, Rachel, Mm -hmm. and um, she was rude, rude, rude to him (laughs) by putting pressure on him right here. Yeah, Yeah. 30 about give me children or I'll die. Putting pressure on him. Putting pressure on Mm -hmm. him like it was his fault Mm -hmm. that she couldn't bear children. And that happens so oftentimes in marriage. One, you'll have one of the partners that's putting pressure on the other partner because they can't have something in a marriage. And they'll just be rude and hard and mean to the other partner because something is not going their way in a marriage when what they need to be doing is putting faith in God instead of pressure and being rude to the other person. And that's what happens is instead of putting, that's exactly the example he was talking about in the airport. Instead of us putting faith in God that this man is going to be able to help us get where we need to go. And that's what all the other people were doing. They were rude to him, the person that could help. I mean, her husband could only help her get pregnant. Right? 
What good is it going to do for her to make him mad at her? Right? I mean, that's not going to help her at all. But that's all she was doing was chewing on him, making him mad at her. Being rude and obstinate about her having children. Well, he was frustrated because he knows he doesn't have the ability to do anything about to do it. it. He can't fix it. And yet she's treating him like he can. You know, it's very frustrating either way, either side. And it's that way in marriage oftentimes. It's like one spouse is blaming the other spouse because we don't have money. Mm-hmm. Why don't we have money? Yeah. Why don't we have it? You don't make enough. It's your fault. Yeah. And oftentimes it's because we talked about some of these things the other night with the wall. It's because you're not putting God first place in your life and following the direction that he has for you for your life and doing the things that he told you to do for your life and seeking him first. And so you're putting the pressure and being rude to each other instead of putting pressure on the devil and making him get out and taking care of the situation and putting your faith in God. You're being rude and mean to each other instead of fixing the situations among yourselves. And see, so we have to deal with that in the world. Yes. And from the enemy and from ignorant and unsaved people trying to put pressure on us, trying to put pressure on us. Our homes are to be a refuge Amen. where we go and we don't get pressured at home. We get help. Amen. We get somebody that will hook up with us. Yes. Believe with us and not look to us and make us their source. This is a huge deal, guys. It's a huge deal. Say it out loud, faith. Faith. Puts no pressure. Puts no pressure. On people. On people. Live that way. And the moment you see yourself trying to, you know, push somebody to make something happen, realize I'm wrong. I am wrong. And back off and repent and look to God. So we weren't looking to that guy to fix everything for us and get us where we needed to be. We're looking to God. He could use him, if not him, somebody else. If not him, somebody else. God's got all kind of resources. Man, it's so much, so, oh, it's, you want to say difference in heaven and hell almost between people pressuring each other. You got to meet my needs and you got to meet my needs and quit doing that. And both of them look to God. Exactly. And then just start sowing and giving to each other. You talk about a turnaround. When how much better off would she have been to go to him and say, hey, let's hook in faith together on this instead of getting him mad at her. Let's join together and get in faith about having a child, which they didn't know anything about faith. But you understand what I'm saying and hook together and agree instead of having strife in their house. Then they both look to God for it. And the answer would have come instead of fighting each other about it. You don't have to pressure each other. So you don't have to. Uh, Now, that applies to every area. Pressuring your supervisor, pressuring your boss to give you a raise. Ministers pressuring the congregation to give. You know, the list goes on and on and on. Who is your source? God. I say it like this, and I adjusted this years ago when the Lord helped me to see it. I have one source. One. A lot of times you hear people talking about, you know, God brought it through an unexpected source. Mm -mm. I have one source. He uses many channels. And when I say source, I mean source for everything. 
source to meet my needs spiritually, emotionally, maritally. I'm not going to put pressure on Phyllis to meet my needs. She doesn't have anything to give me unless God gives it to her. Are you with me now? I'm not going to put any pressure on the church people to meet the financial needs. They don't have anything unless God gave it to them. And if they're not where they are, it comes right back to me. Am I teaching? Am I leading? Am I setting the example? If we're feeding and sowing like we're supposed to be, they're supposed to be prospering. We're all tied together. I'm not their source. They're not my source. What a different world when we get our eyes off of each other. And we all look up and we get to look into him, the one who really does have the resource. Ready for the next part? Ready. Okay. He said, love does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. Boy, that's a big one. Does not insist on its own rights. Did you hear that word? Rights. Do you hear that word in marriage? I have rights. You ever heard that? I have rights. That's how you kill a relationship. By demanding your rights. I have rights. You owe me. You're supposed to do this for me. I have rights. That means you're a taker. And not a giver. And that's one of the huge problems with so much of the world. Are you a taker? Or a giver? The Lord gave us a message. What was it? Last year or the year before? About sucker or sower. <laughs> Did you know the world is full of suckers? I don't mean people easily duped. I mean parasites. Hmm? Leeches. Hmm? Leeches. I've gone to places before. And literally, I mean, as I walked through and as I left, I felt like I had things hanging on me all over. Because everybody was just... You know, it's a popular thing when you, we travel and go out and minister and the pastor will get up and say, Now y'all drain him dry. Suck him dry. Get everything out of him. Well, how do you want me to go home? <laughs> what did Phyllis say, what happened to you? They sucked all the life out of me. <laughs> Husbands and wives pull on each other. And insist on their own rights. Love doesn't do that. Love does not while away the hours thinking about what you should have done for me. And what you owe me. I've given you the best 15 years of my life. You didn't give. No, 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 no. Love gives. And asks for nothing in return. If you ask for anything in return, it wasn't a gift. You hear people say, well, marriage is a lot of give and take. Marriage is a 50-50 proposition. No, it's not. Neither of those are scriptures. And they're not right. So what are people talking about? 
You give me a little something, and I'll give you a little something, and we'll trade. You bless me, and I'll bless you. Then you're a trader, not a giver. You want something for what you do. Man, you see, you know, people use what they think their spouse wants for them as leverage over them. Well, you give me this, and I'll give you that. You know, one hand washes the other. You scratch my back. I scratch your. That's like ungodly, unsaved people think and talk. Love does not in, doesn't even talk about its rights. Doesn't even bring up what you're supposed to do for me. It is not self-seeking. It's not okay, though, in reality, in the real world. That one person carry all the weight and responsibility and the other person do nothing. Love gives. There should be equality in in stuff. You know, in reality, the husband should not work. I've seen it all day long. You know, come home from work and he still come in and be expected to do his chores with the kids and then cut the grass and then, you know, paint the house and do all the other things. And while mama's doing what? While mama says, I've been with the kids all day, so I don't have to do anything because I've been with the kids all day. So she gets to rest at night. Well, he has worked all day, too. See, people forget that. And I know it got quiet in here all of a sudden. Yeah, you've been with the kids all day, so you get to rest at night. Well, he hasn't been just goofing off all day if he's had a job all day. And there is another flip side to that coin, too. You know, guys, if she has been working also and, you know, you both are working, then there needs to be a flip side of the coin when you get home at night, too. You know, if supper needs to be done and dishes need to be cleaned and stuff, you know, there needs to be some help sometimes with things that need to be done. And uh, don't just one person be responsible for everything. We don't live in a society, you know, to where one person anymore is better at doing things than the other person is. Sometimes the men are better cooks than the wife is a better cook, you know. And so you can't say that one person's better at doing it. But we don't do things that are 50-50. One week in our house, it may be that I'm overloaded with everything and it might be that Keith fixes me something to eat and it might be a whole month that he don't because he's overloaded with something. We don't keep a scoreboard around our house as to whose job and whose turn it is to do something. It's not scoreboard time. None of this I did it last time. So it's It's your your turn turn. to do it. We try to help each other. As to, you know, be led. Okay, they're extra tired now. Maybe it's your turn to do this, you know, or, uh, no, no, you go take care of that. I'm going to clean up the kitchen now, you know, and you try to be led as to, around our house is, okay, who's the tiredest today? Okay, (laughs) who needs to rest the most today? So who needs to do it the most today Mm -hmm. type thing? So it's not a, it's your turn or it's a my turn thing, you know, you try to be led. And so. You should be hearing a lot of, I'll do that. Exactly. Let me get that. And it's... Sometimes other person say, no, no, let me get it. I got it. No, I got it. Not it's the man's job to take out the trash. Why do you expect me to take out the trash? You know, it's... Where's the rules and regulations in that? You You ever seen uh, people go out to eat? And when the check comes, everybody looks away and got something else to do. And they're, (laughs) they're thumbing, you know... 
waiting on somebody else to. I despise that. I don't ever see it because we always get it before anybody else does it. Well, not always, but most of the often. time. <laughs> but you got, you know, in life you got givers and you got takers, right? And takers, all they think about is what they can get from somebody else and what they're going to get. You know, and they'll go home and brag about how they hadn't paid for a meal in the last five times and more. they're basically eating free. Well, you hadn't done anything except embarrass yourself. That's right. Well, the same thing is true at home. Guys act like, you know, well, I got it made. I just goof off. She waits on me hand and foot. And look at the woman. Look at her at the end of the day. What's her energy level? Where is she at? What's going on with it? Look at your man. You know, every day's different. I don't care if he does usually do it. What's going on today? Every day is a different day. Be led. And always be willing. If somebody needs to do a little extra, why not you? Right? Yeah. Said out loud, I'm not a taker. I'm not a taker. I'm a giver. I'm a giver. Amen. Do you have something else? Is that That's it? it. Love is not touchy Uh-oh. or fretful or resentful. Uh-oh. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It means I can't pout in my room for two weeks? Mm-mm. No pouting. Hmm. Account, you know, is just that. It's an accounting word. An account means what? You keep up with it. You keep up with all the income, all the expenditures. You keep up with, well, what's this keeping up with? What they did. They didn't know how bad they hurt me, but I know. I made a note of it in my little book. I got you. I'm going to remember that. They said something. I remember what you said. Remember what you did. Love has no account. Love does not. Love purposely does not keep up with it. How many times they crossed you. How many times, you know, you know, somebody says, do you know how many times you've done that? No. One thousand and thirty three times. How many times do I have to tell you? If I've told you once, I've told you 95 times. Yeah, and it didn't work the last 94. And it probably ain't going to work this time. What was it Brother Hagen used to tell us sometimes when we'd get in the car? He'd say, I think a lot of wives are prostitutes. Or how would he say that? Yeah. We'd get in the car yeah. with him and we'd leave situations and he'd look at us and he'd say, I think a lot of wives just as well they be prostitutes. They use prostitute. sex as use, a tool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, something happens they don't like, then they withhold. And they, they sell you know, it. Pretend they got a headache and every other thing, you know. So they, that is prostitution. That's what he'd say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They you keep an account. A, yeah, keep an account. Yeah, they're remembering. Don't still feel happened mm-hmm. Well, he can forget me tonight. Or next week. <laughs> That's another week he can forget me. <laughs> now we're laughing, but this stuff happens in Christian homes. 
sell it back to them when they're sweet. Ouch. (laughs) Not at our house. (laughs) Because you're always sweet. Oh, oh. Yeah. Uh, I didn't tell y'all, but um, I told the girls last night. Um, Does this fit for mixed company? He romanced me the other day. He said, um, We have to be willing to sacrifice all in the ministry. You know, so lay it all down. He said, let's go for a ride. And he put me in the airplane and took me to this place and put me on two new trikes and said, try them out. And I tried them out. And I'm getting a brand new trike. Yeah. But you know, talking about that. (laughs) Yeah, talking about that. We weren't always there. That's where we could do that. Lots of birthdays we missed for each other. We did. And there, were, anniversaries. there were many birthdays and anniversaries. We didn't do anything financially. We might have done something. But I kissed you probably. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and uh, I sewed it. <laughs> yeah, she lady. tells me she's sowing kisses to reap a harvest and I said I, I think you're stealing kisses I don't know this, this is sowing but you know there were years when people sometimes like they try to pretend and it comes back to that thing of putting pressure on each other because I don't have this and you know why don't you get me this and that's making a man or a woman your source. And um, I told Phyllis years back in the ministry, we were, man, we were tight financially. And I said, you know. Broke. Yeah. I said, just, I said, stay with me. Hang in here with me. We don't have it now. And I'm not going to go out and act a fool and go in debt over my head to try to do something to make you happy or to impress somebody else. Because it'd just be pride. And it'd be disobeying the Lord. I said, but stay with me. And there'll come a time when you'll have your own account. Phyllis account. And you can just blow it all on hats if you want to. <laughs> well, years passed. And decades passed. But she has it. Funny thing about it, she's used most of it to buy stuff for me. I thought, man, I could have got that thing a little sooner. But, <laughs> I'm a a smart girl. I'm sowing my foundation, you see. The first fruits and all my foundation, the first years, see, good ground. She has come in frequently and hand me a bunch of cash that somebody gave her and says, I'm going to bless the man of God. She said, I believe in the Lord. See, your spouse, and I do the same kind of thing with her, but your spouse is good ground. Mrs. Well, he's not a preacher. He still can be a man of God. Preachers are just one 
area of service. All of us are to be men of God and women of God. And your spouse is good ground. Good ground. Was that it on that? Yeah, just you forgot about my trike. I was telling them about that. Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> it is nice. Yeah. And the list, the, the guy said, the salesman said he never seen so many accessories. It was so many pages yeah. of accessories. It's got everything. <laughs> I'm anxious to see it. Everything. Yeah. When do I get to see it? We're believing God. <laughs> Love is not touchy. You know, some people are touchy and they justify it in the name of being spiritual. And they say, well, I'm just really sensitive spiritually. And so it's why I can get my feelings hurt easily. But it's because I'm so sensitive spiritually. I just pick up the least little thing and it hurts me. (laughs) Now you're a big old baby. Get on a bottle. That's got nothing to do with being spiritual. Spiritual people develop thick skin. Ministers, if you hadn't found this out, you're not going to make it far. Not everybody's going to appreciate you. Not everybody's going to like what you do. You can get, especially the more people know about you. Well, get on TV. Oh, yeah, it's wonderful. Get on the internet. Or you can get cussed in multiple languages. First time I preached here at the church, I got a wonderful letter. Dave read it. He called the person, they, or wanted to call the person. I had to hold him back. Uh, they said, how can Keith let such an idiot fool in the pulpit while he's gone? I mean, that was the nice words that they used, you know. It was real nice. And I had to get up and speak the next day, you know. So it was, they're but, nice letters. But you cannot take that and go roll up somewhere. And go, I can't believe I've poured my heart out like this. People talk to me like that. I give them everything and they do this. Then you will, you will just fade. You will, just, you will not be in the ministry. You will not serve God. I always ask. I don't care how unkind it is. I try to look at it honestly and go, is that true? Is it true? Be man enough to, no matter if they meant it wrong, maybe they meant to hurt you. Still, is it true? If it is, it's time to repent. Repent. And there's been some times, uh, not too long ago, somebody wrote me an ugly letter. And as I got to reading it, I thought, part of that is true. I need to change that. Now, I'm sure they didn't mean that at all. But I wrote them back and said, thank you for that insight. I am going to make an adjustment in that area. And every time something comes up, you need to look it square in the eye and go, is it true? And be honest with yourself. If it's not, there's a file 13. (laughs) Right? And uh, you file it there and you refuse to think about it. Because it's just a work of the enemy to hinder you and take the edge off of you. And if you're thinking about that and crying, then you're not thinking about the word of the Lord and his direction and his work, and it's doing what the enemy intended for it to do. Touchy, fretful, resentful. See, these folk, you know, they're the ones you come in and they look 
terrible. And you go, what's wrong? And they go, what do they say? Somebody didn't pay attention to me. What? Somebody didn't pay attention to them the right way. Exactly. They're pouting. And you go, what's wrong? And what do they say? Nothing. Come on, help me out. What do they say? Nothing. 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 Is something wrong? It's obvious. Something is wrong. Don't lie and say nothing. Say you don't want to talk about it or start talking about it, but don't lie. Don't avoid. Touchy. They should be here on Sunday morning. We're still talking about babies. Yeah. Babies are very touchy. They live by their feelings. Yes. And if they feel a little tightness in their diaper, <laughs> everybody's going to know it. They're going to they're going to tune up. They're going to cry. They're going If they are uncomfortable, they want everybody to know it. Spiritual babies are exactly the same way. Mature people can be hurting in a situation, but they don't want other people's lives unnecessarily bothered with it. If somebody can come in and sit down beside you and tell in five minutes that you're going through troubles, you're carnal. You're a baby. Now, when you're strong... And this is what's confusing to some people. Because they uh, people who really live by faith, to watch them and listen to them, you'd think they never have any trouble. You'd think, it just ain't fair. Look at them. Always smiling and shouting and always got more money. It ain't right. <laughs> but what's reality? What's truth? They just deal with it better. They just don't whine about their problems. They just don't tell everybody. They don't cry about it. And they don't talk negative. They put their faith on it. And they don't talk about it until they got a testimony. And the truth probably is, in reality, babies probably have less insignificant problems. Because God knows they can't handle a big problem. And probably the person that you're seeing that is never shows that they have a problem, really have bigger problems to deal with. And if Far the baby better. had to deal with the problems that the other person had to deal with, they would crumble and crash and fall in about five minutes. Yeah, the people that make the most noise really have the least problems. Oftentimes, that is the case. No, that's true. They didn't like that too much. Yeah, yeah, they're just thinking about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> It takes no account of evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. You got something else on that? No. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. If you are happy when something bad happens to somebody because you think they had it coming, and you think, well, good enough for them. They treated me like that. Just good enough. That is not love. No matter what somebody does to you, you still don't want to see them judged. You still don't want to see them go down, right? You pray and ask for mercy no, for them. No, no. Love does. Love does. Verse 7. Love bears up under anything and everything 
that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Hallelujah. Always believe in the best. You know, I've said it before, even if somebody comes up and slaps you, you ought to look down and go, man, did you trip over something? You tripped over something. Your hand fell across my face, didn't it? But see, let's just be naive. The Bible told us to be simple concerning evil. <laughs> A lot of what people call spiritually sensitive is just being suspicious. It is. They're like they're so spiritual because they go, what did he mean by that? I picked something up on that. I think he was trying to put a little jab in there. I got you. That's when they pull out their list and go, yeah. But uh, I've had people come to me and say, Brother Keith, didn't you know that guy was talking about you? I said, was he? They said, you didn't know. I said, sure I did. What does it matter? There's something I use often. Consider the source. So-and-so says what? Who said it? Oh. Next. There ought to be a whole lot of folks, whatever they say. You don't let it hurt you. You don't let it get to you. You know they don't have a clue what they're talking about. Consider the source. Love hopes are fadeless under all circumstances and it endures everything without weakening, the Amplified says. Love never fails, never fades out or becomes obsolete or comes to an end. Prophecy will be fulfilled and pass away. Tongues will be destroyed and cease. Knowledge will pass away. And he goes on talking about how that our knowledge is incomplete. But verse 13, so faith, hope, love, abide. These three. But the greatest of these, greater than faith, greater than hope, the greatest of these love love how do you treat your wife love love is love a feeling I mean we got to get our minds renewed on that because just I mean half the time when you say love people think feeling feeling but love no love is what endures long patient and kind not envious this is how love acts talks reacts responds when you say, I love you, what would you just get through saying? You look at somebody and you say, I love you. What does the world mean? I have a feeling that will change in a few moments. But let's bask in it right now. That ain't enough for us as believers. When you say, I love you, what did you just say? If you really know what you're talking about and you're talking about the love of God, what did you say? 
You're saying, I will endure long with you, and I'll be patient with you, and I'll be kind with you. I will never envy you. I will never be jealous of you. I will not boast and be vainglorious. I'll never be conceited or rude with you. I'll always be mannerly with you. I'll always act becomingly with you. I'll never demand my rights with you. That's what we mean when we say, I love you. Can you say amen? Amen. Did you have something else before we do this? Do we have just a few minutes more? Every marriage meeting week, we open it up to questions. And we have dealt with questions on the men's night and on the ladies' night. And we've had questions turned in. And we don't say that we'll deal with every question. And we don't have a lot of them right here. But there's a few of them we thought we would touch on. You got time for it? Can you take it? Reason being because we think these questions are more than just one individual. One that we have already talked about, I got into quite a bit actually, and you see this more, you know, more than once, is people saying, I don't have the feelings, I don't have the passion, how do I get it back? When we first started dating, you know, everything was so passionate and we were so excited, now it's different. Have we gone over it enough tonight? Can you change your feelings? Can you initiate things? Right. So don't just act like feeling is an independent thing from you. First faith and love actions, then feelings come. One person asked about this. They said uh, their spouse had asked them to help them. In an area. Help me watch my weight. Help me watch what I eat. Help me. But then when they help them. They get mad. I did that didn't I? And say. (laughs) And say. Don't tell me what to do. (laughs) How do I deal with that? Well. For one thing. You cannot, nor should you try, to put another person's flesh under for them. You can't do it. You shouldn't even try. Are y'all with me? Nobody asked me to help. If he or she were sincere when they asked you to help, and you in the right spirit... Cause something to their attention. And they realize they had forgotten it. They'll immediately go. Oh, oh yeah. Thanks. And they'll change it. If they don't do that. Then they didn't want you to tell them. And you should stop. Yeah, but they asked me to tell them. Well, they're just talking. They don't want you to. Or either they want you to make them put their flesh under. Never, never get into trying to make your spouse put their flesh under. You can't do it. Don't try. That would be like telling Dave he could have chocolate chip cookies some days and other days he couldn't. Dave, how'd he get in this? Because some days he says he's not going to eat chocolate chip cookies and... Don't give him any. And then other days, look at him. Well, 
Uh, he's a big boy. He's a grown man. That's right. So we don't try to tell him no. Exactly. <laughs> right, Kim? You know, uh, I, uh, we talked to a couple one time. They were, they were having serious problems. And one of the biggest things they want to talk about is that the wife said she fixed her husband this good meal. And he'd come in and before supper get a candy bar. And a Coke. Of all things. And it just made her so mad she couldn't want to see straight. She thought, well, how dare him? Well, we're adults. We should act like adults. Ladies, he is not your father, nor is he your son. Do not try to treat him like a child. Men, she is not your mother, nor is she your daughter. Don't try to treat her like a child. We should respect each other and back off. And everybody said amen. They like that so well. Amen. Amen, brother. Yeah. Yeah. All you ministers watching by internet, don't you want to do this in your church? You see how fun it is. Woo, see the people clapping. We're having... Ooh, big fun tonight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But this is where we live. I mean, you come in and play church, but what does it matter when you go back home and you still fight like cats and dogs? There are real answers in the Word if we're willing to hear it and if we're willing to do it. And I believe I'm looking at doers of the Word. Yeah. Doers. Doers. Brother Hagin said you could tie two cat's tails together and throw them over a clothesline. He said they're together, but they're not in unity. That's right. <laughs> That's deep, ain't it? <laughs> this goes right along with uh, that same subject. This person says, I can't say anything to them, uh, give them input. Without them getting upset. You know, I use a soft tone and it's just nice, appropriate conversation, but they get all upset. You can use a soft tone and have a stinky attitude. <laughs> Can't you? you? Your tone and your mannerism can be so sweet and just bile inside you. So just because you ain't raising your voice and you're not demanding does not mean you're okay. Everything is about the heart. And let's say somebody is a heathen, not just acting like one, is one. Sometimes people come in and they just, if they ain't trying to live right, they'll just snap for no good reason. But wisdom learns when to speak and when not to. Learns when to keep on talking about it and when to leave it alone. Learns how to approach it. So if one partner, one spouse, it seems like every time they try to talk to their spouse, it upsets them and makes them mad, then you're not doing it right. You need to make some changes. 
And you want them to see that you're not trying to teach them and correct them all the time. Even though you're kind and soft-spoken about it, it's still very wrong. And I still, I still think this is a real issue. Keith can tell you this. He taught submission and authority at Rama for years and years and years. And I said this to the ladies lots of times. And it is an issue. I jokingly say I married Mr. Submission and Authority, you know, and so I was Miss Rebellious against Submission and Authority because he'd teach it, so I thought I had to prove that it didn't work, and I thought that was my job <laughs> to prove it. Didn't I? <laughs> yeah. And so um, I went for years trying to prove that he couldn't make me submit, so he went for years trying to prove that he could, you know, and it doesn't work. And... Um, Guys, the more you try to make your wife submit, the more she's not going to submit. Revelation. And um, ladies, the more you try to rebel from submission. I told this on the submission tapes and um, was reminded of it last night from talking with someone. In rebelling against submission, I hurt myself more than had I have yielded to submission. I told this story and told about it. I didn't look it up again, so I don't remember the exact words on it. But in the country, it talks about a cow with a yoke. The Lord says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if he tells us to submit, then his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And the yoke in an old cow, when uh, they put that yoke on a cow, why do they put that yoke on a cow? Because it's rebellious. How many of you from the country and know what I'm talking about? They take an old tree limb and they stick it on a cow to keep it from going through the fence. What happens to that cow when it goes through the fence getting its own way to go over there and get that grass? It just cuts itself to pieces. That bob wire just cuts itself to pieces. I mean, it can be cut and bleeding and cut and bleeding all over and hurt. And it doesn't even know it. But it's getting its way. Well, that's what was happening to me for so many years. I was cut and bleeding and hurting and didn't even know it, but I was getting my own way. And it wasn't until I made the choice to do it. So the more that you're pushing her to do it, the more you're hurting your own self And the more she will not do it, and ladies, the more you're pulling against doing it, the more you're hurting your own self. So you're fighting against each other to keep it from happening, and you're tearing your house apart in doing it. Where if you'll both just totally do what you're supposed to do, then God can get in there and give you revelation and wisdom how to do it peacefully and easily and forget about it. And let God come in there and deal with your hearts. He'll show you how to do it. It's not a people. It's a fear thing is what happens is fear of what will happen if you do it. And it's not all that the devil cracks it up to be. And he's just put this mountain out there. And it's really not the thing that he's made it up to be. In talking about that comment that I tried to make uh, Phyllis submit. I did. It might not be like you think. But it's something that it's significant to elaborate on. 
I, the Lord had helped me to see from the word the glory of it and the fruit of it, the goodness of it, that it wasn't bondage, that it was freedom. And what we both would get through me doing what he told me to do and her doing what the Lord told her to do. I saw that. And so I was so, you know, driven that we're going to have it. We're not going to give up till we do. And so when she would maybe pull be against sweet. me. When I'd be sweet. Uh, <laughs> uh, I meant that I'm going to show her. So I would, I would set in to teaching her for four hours at a time. Because <laughs> we weren't getting there. And it wasn't because she couldn't get it or she was slow. It's because she didn't want to hear it. But I kept on keeping on. And I missed it in that area. Men, did you hear me? I missed it in that area. One time the Lord spoke to me out of the New Testament in the the letter to the Corinthians, you know, it says, uh, if the woman in a particular setting service would learn anything, let her ask her husband at home. Remember that? And the Lord said, I'm reading that, just minding my own business, as we say. And the Lord said, your wife wouldn't have to ask you. (laughs) You'd tell her. And I repented that day. You know, swimmers swim, runners run, roosters crow, and preachers preach, right? They just got it in them. But guys, listen to me. Have enough discernment to see when somebody is not interested in hearing what you got to say. And be quiet. Well, I'm going to show them. You're going to push them away. The Lord said this to me one time. I wrote it down. He said, it's not what you know. It's not what you see they need. It's what will they receive. I don't care how clear you see it. I don't care how well you can say it. What will they receive? And if people don't want to hear it, you should be quiet. So much better if you'll control yourself. And your spouse actually gets to where they want to hear what you have to say. Because you're not just blabbing and trying to tell them all the time when they don't want to hear. Oh, yeah. Now, this is not just for men talking to women. This is for women talking to men. This is both ways. Well, he needs to know it, and I'm going to tell him. You need to shut up. <laughs> how many times have you told him already? And how did it work? It's not what you know. You may be right. It's not what you see. You may see it crystal clear and they don't. But that's not the determining factor. What is the determining factor into how much you can talk to them? What are they willing to receive? Who knows what that is? The Holy Ghost. And if you'll pay attention, he'll lead you. And many times he'll lead you to be quiet. Something else that 
I think happens so much in these situations. First Peter tells us, and the Lord told us. And it's detrimental to marriages. It's detrimental on the job. It's detrimental in Christian lives all around the world. People using the Bible to get their way. People do it in marriages. They do it in their work. They do it. The Bible said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Preachers. But believers should be witnesses. We are to be a witness. We're not to go a witnessing. And it tells the wife to live a lifestyle that she would win her husband. It didn't tell her to preach to her husband. And so many times in our homes and stuff, people have used the Bible against each other to make the other person do something that they want them to do. And there, we just read 1 Corinthians 13 and there's no love in that anywhere. God it's never, to get your way. it's trying to get your, it's like a preacher getting up. We covered this just a little bit in the ladies, but it's not just in one situation. We hear it all the time from people uh, that they are wanting, it's like a preacher getting up and saying, give money to me because the scripture says give and they're using the Bible to get their way for something. There's no love in that. And the Bible is a love book. And it will never work for you to get your way if you're only using it to get your way in something. You should never use a scripture and demand somebody do something for you. Because it's not what God intended for it to happen. The Bible intended for it to be a love book and for you to walk in love with people. Because that's what Jesus came and did, was walk in love with people. He never used a scripture to get his way for anything. Well, um, people decide what they want. And then they look for scriptures. To justify it. That's wrong. You should go to the Lord. First. And see what's he saying. And oftentimes it'll be contrary to what you want. Exactly. But you yield to the word. Can you say amen? amen. Just a couple more. One says. What about husbands and wives. Separate checking accounts. Separate giving. You know I mentioned Phyllis. Having a Phyllis account. But we don't have separate money. And we give together. And we are together. That's problems that you need to get over and work over. If it's his money and her money. I've seen husbands and wives like they're going to fight because somebody got something off the other one's plate. Just look at them and glare. Like. I'd be in trouble. They're supposed to be one flesh, share life. Share a bed and they can't share a potato? I have a, I have a covenant. I like my covenant. Covenant. Yeah, because everything that's his is mine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, no, you're supposed to be one. You're supposed to be one in your goals, one in your faith, one in your vision, one in your priorities. One in putting God first. So uh, watch about all this separate stuff. Uh, and that's a whole seminar right there. I'll give it to you in outline form. It says, how do I show 
my spouse more honor and esteem. The Lord gave me four words in just teaching on the subject of honor and how to show honor. One is refer or reference, how you refer to them. Some of our elders that Phyllis and I have been under before, we've heard ladies call their husbands man of God and, and him call her woman of God, and they weren't joking. They weren't playing. They were serious, and that stuck in us. How you refer, you don't refer to your wife as your old lady. It's inappropriate. Okay, if you're an outlaw biker, but uh, it's different. You come on into the Lord. This is a woman of God. This is your wife. How you talk about her and him, how you talk about him. Uh, they should not be your jokes, and they should not be entertainment with other people, and you make fun about how they do this and how they do that. How you refer to them. Shows honor or fails to. The second one is prefer. Preferring them. Honoring them. Let them have the better spot. Let them have the better cut of meat. How many understand both of us should be doing this kind of thing? Nah, you take it. Nah, you don't say, I'm the head of the house. I get the big piece. (laughs) You're not a love head. You're a dumb, dumb head. (laughs) Love. It's getting late. Love prefers. Little kids say dodo head. Yeah. Prefer. Thirdly is defer. Defer. Watch about interrupting each other all the time. Watch about that. Defer. Give each other space. Give each other opportunity. Defer. No, you go ahead. No, it's all right. You finish. Love talks away. And then finally, confer. Did you get the first three? Refer, how you refer, prefer, defer. I see preachers taking notes. They're going to go preach this. Good. Worked for me. Confer. What does confer mean? You confer gifts upon. You honor people by conferring gifts and things upon them. Like trikes. Yeah, like trikes. <laughs> um. I think I got two more. This person says their marriage partner, their spouse, had had many sexual partners before them. And it bothers them. And it causes them pain. When you're talking about the past, it should be the past. If the past has been dealt with, and forgiven, and if God has forgiven them, then it should not be talked. It should not be by you or them. It should not be brought up. Now, listen, if things have not been dealt with, then they're not in the past. That's right. They're still present. That's right. They need to be dealt with. Phyllis talked about that with the wall the other night. If there's stuff there that hasn't been dealt with, whatever it takes, you've got to deal with it. I know it ain't fun. I know you don't want to. But if you're ever going to have a decent marriage, you got to. But then once it's dealt with, it should be in the past. It should not be talked about. No bringing it up. And none of this get mad and start fighting and bring it up. Don't you do that. The Lord doesn't do that to you. 
We are commanded to forgive. And the way he forgives is their sins and iniquities. I will remember no more. They are. He said, I won't mention them. They won't be mentioned. Is everybody listening now? Our past failures and mistakes, once they are dealt with and once they are under the blood, we are not to bring them up. We are not to talk them at all. Well, it came across my mind. Well, cast it down. Cast it down. And don't talk it. Because these things will come up. They'll come to you. And the reason this person is feeling so bad, feeling so much pain, is because they're sitting around thinking about this. And they're dwelling on it. And the more you do, the more it's going to hurt you. If God can forgive you and not mention your sins to you anymore, you can do that with your spouse. Forgive and forget and refuse to talk about. And this last one, you want to deal with that? Somebody needs to. Okay. You want to deal with it? I'm going to defer to you. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's just talking about abusive spouses. Um, Does physical abuse break the covenant? No person should ever live with somebody that's beating them. But now, wait a minute. Every time, I won't say every time. But I'm going to say 98.9% of the time that I've had a woman come to me and say that my husband is abusing me, 98% of the time that I've had a woman come to me and say that my husband is abusing me, I say, how have they abused you? And they say, well, they just talk bad to me all the time. And they go, I mean, this goes on for 10 minutes and they, they describe that he's been abusing me for years and he's been abusing me and he's been abusing me and I'm all the while thinking they are physically abusing them I mean they are beating this person they are you know and most of the time there it's this verbal stuff that they're calling and that can be bad don't get me wrong it can be horrible and it can be degrading and it can be a very not good thing that somebody, you have to live in a situation where somebody is putting you down all the time. But I don't know the situation. It's a totally different situation when somebody is verbally abusing you and when somebody is physically abusing you. There's two different things going on there. Uh, and you deal with those situations totally different. The people that are getting physically abused, you need to load your stuff up and get out of there immediately. But it is the, yes... Somebody's literally physically Listen, I beating mean, you up. somebody is beating yeah. you up. But, but, it is the rare occasion that you will see a woman that is getting physically abused that really wants to leave her husband. And will tell you. And will tell you about Sometimes it. Sometimes they're scared. If they do leave them, I've dealt with a number of them. They will come and spend one night with you. But before day breaks, they are wanting to be back with that man. Even though he beat them. Even badly. though he beat them and you had to get them to the hospital and get them bandaged up and take them and get them bandaged up. They're not looking for a way to leave that man. They're looking for a way to get back to that man. You see it often. Normally the ones that come to you and say, I am being abused, 
my antennas go up because most of the time they're telling you my husband is verbally abusing me. And so we have to go at it from a different angle. And so when you really get down to talking to them, it's not only him that's verbally abusing her, she's verbally abusing him. And it's a, Keith, I get tickled at him sometimes because he said, how do you say that? Most people are made for each other. Is that how you say that? Deserve, deserve each, other. each other. Yeah. Most people deserve each other because a lot of times when you really get down to the situation, you find out that a lot of people, the same thing is coming from her is coming from him. And it's a, it's a yelling match a lot of times. And you don't, t- they don't tell their part what's happening in the house and what's been going on. They only tell what he's been doing to her. And a lot of times you find it out when you spend some time with them and stuff. So. And there, and there are situations where women will purposely provoke a man and push him until he hits her because she wanted the justification for what she's going to do next. We've just seen a lot of things. I've, I've seen, seen that kind of stuff. We've seen, and I'm not taking sides for the man. Don't you get me wrong. If there's a man in this room that's hitting his wife, um, I'm going to get, where's Jack? <laughs> Put Jack on him? Yeah. And uh, we've got a few big guys in here, you know. We're going to send them home with them, you know. There is no excuse. None. There is no justification for a man physically hitting his wife. Or slamming her up against a wall. Or throwing her down on the floor. Or I don't care. Or a child either. People say, I got so mad, I didn't know what I'm doing. And I've said this before, and it's just the truth. You take that same guy. And get him just as mad and madder than he's ever been in his life. And put him with the, uh, you know, the defensive players on a professional team. And so, you know, these big six foot six guys that weigh 295. Some way or another, he's able to control himself with them. <laughs> but with his 130 pound wife, he can't help but hit her. No, people do what they can get away with. They do what they can get away with. There is no excuse for physically hitting your wife, guys. There is no, I don't care what she did. I don't care what she called you. I don't care what she did to you. I don't care what she did with your money. I don't care what she did to your car. I don't care. You don't raise a hand to your wife. Now, the flip side of the coin, women, there's never excuse to slap your husband either. That's right. I mean, that's just gotten just about as popular as men hitting their wives. Especially if they think he can't hit her back. Exactly. It's like if he hits her, it's going to be, he's going to jail. But But she she feels like she can waylay him and slap him or knock him him or scratch him or do anything she wants to do. And it's just like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been watching or seeing? Who are you (laughs) watching? I've never thrown a plate. No. Um, But uh, we have counseled some people, I'm telling you what. And uh, it's not funny and pretty, the sights and sounds that you hear that go on in some people's house, you know. And uh, um, it's, it's bad when people let their flesh get that far. And uh, the worst part about it is we were in, where was that at? In New York one day. And just all of a sudden... You probably remember this. We were sitting on the front row and Keith was about to get up and minister. And just all of a sudden, I wouldn't call it translated, but just all of a sudden I was in these people's kitchen. 
And they were fighting like cats and dogs. This husband and wife was fighting like cats and dogs. Physically. Physically. I mean, they were physically fighting like cats and dogs. And they didn't think their children were at home. And I just saw it all of a sudden that the two little kids were standing in the kitchen door and they saw this going on and the husband and wife did not know they were home it's like somebody had dropped them off and they didn't know that they were there and they were physically fighting with each other and the kids saw this and the husband and wife didn't see it well I've got news for you whether the kids actually see it or not they know it's going on they can feel it they can sense it they have spirits and if you're in church and you're in our church or any other spirit led church they are being fed and they are growing and their little spirits are very sensitive and they know what's going on in your house and they are sensitive and if they are acting out all your spankings and all your yelling at them and all your correction is not going to fix it the only thing that's going to fix it is you stopping doing what you're doing because that's where they're getting that from is from what's yep. going on between you and your wife and you beating them half to death is not going to it's correct it violence. it's just more violence yeah. that's going on we've seen it with little kids in the church here they come in here what three years old three four, four year olds cuss oh you never heard such words slapping people well where'd they get that where'd they get that where'd they learn that kind of language three years old Everything produces after its own kind. So you have to eliminate it from yourselves if you don't want it in your kids. They know it. That's it. Then the last one. This was the big one. We saved it for last. (laughs) This person says one of them is a light sleeper. And the other one is a heavy snorer. And kicks. I have an answer. Could we help them some way? You got an answer? Mm -hmm. Do. Get you some earplugs. They make them and you can just put them right in your little ears. And get you another bed if you really can't sleep because he kicks. I just or she kicks or whatever. Earplugs and separate beds. (laughs) If it really is an issue to you, you know. But can become an issue. Uh, you can, you know, I know there's not supposed to be any young, young people in here, but uh, you can stay together for a while, if you get my point. And then go to your other... Then go to your other bed, if you so desire. <laughs> Did I say that plainly enough? <laughs> you know, for people watching... Or get twin beds and separate them when you get ready to, or whatever is necessary. But um, um, there are fixes to these and things. And remember, love. Love. Love wants the other Tie their person. legs together. <laughs> From kicking? Yeah. Uh, no. Stuff a sock in their mouth? Love wants the other person to be comfortable. Selfishness wants what it wants. Duct tape. You know, wants... Duct tape. That's for another message. Are are we done? All right. Guys, y'all stand. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge. 
by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.